the Art and Industry of Business and Living podcast, discussing conscious choices around business, money, life and living and creating a greater future for you and the planet. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Art and Industry of Business and Living podcast. Yay. And you get me again. Yay. Yes, Amanda. Every single week. Surprise. It's me. (laughs) I should just be like, and you're not with me this week. (laughs) Something different. One day I will surprise you. So keep listening because you never know what's going to show up next. Stay tuned. Exactly. So um, we're doing a bit of a double whammy. Uh, We've got Miss Rebecca Hulse, who is live in New York uh, at the moment. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. And you're very happy to be in New York, I hear. I'm very happy to be in New York. I love that. I, and I just, we were just talking before we started the podcast and I said, you know, you should do a stint there. Like that's one of the things that I really invite all of you. I mean, this is the art and industry of business and living. This is not about getting it right. This is not about, you know, having to fit into this reality. It's not about choosing what somebody else thinks you should choose. This is like, what is it that you would like to have as your life, your money, your wealth, your business, the entirety of everything. This is your choice. So I, I love that you could do a stint in New York. I think that would be fun. Why not? I think so too. And it, I think it's actually inspired by when you were thinking about doing a stint of time in Germany or the south of France or Italy too. Like for me, I had always thought that, you know, you have to live where you're born until I'd heard you talk about that you were considering these things and I know that you haven't instituted yet them yet but I also know that they're still in your world and one of those things that you may choose soon. Well actually funny that you should mention that because <laughs> I was looking at Europe in 2020 and going and doing a stint in Europe and then I started to look at these energies of like living in Spain and Italy and, and then I went oh it's not about the place it's about the car. So what I'm doing I've already spoken <laughs> to a friend of ours David Kubis and I'm actually going to purchase a car in Europe and because then I can leave it at the castle in Italy. So I was like you know two months in one area I was like mm, maybe I want to do two weeks in Spain drive do a class drive go to Italy drive go to Croatia drive go to Hungary drive you know what I mean? So that's wonderful. Yeah, I was making it about the finding this one spot, whereas I travel all the time. So why not get a really cool car and drive around Europe? So that is my plan for next uh, June, July. Stay tuned. Melissa's in the car near you. Stay tuned. (laughs) The art and industry of business and living. (laughs) I love it. So for a lot of people, being able to just close up shop, hire a car, or buy a car and traipse around Europe is not something that belongs to everyday reality. It's something that kind of actually belongs to a certain group of people that we could call, could call being in the 1%. And so I know you and I have started, in fact, barely scratched the surface on what being in the 1% actually means and what it entails. But I have a list of questions that I would love to go through with you if you're up for that to see what it is you know about the 1% and about what other people could use as tools to help themselves get there. I would love to. And it's funny that you, that we went into this introduction and about my <laughs> plans for next year, because I've, I've got a convertible BMW here at home and I love having a convertible here. It's, I mean, I live in Queensland, Australia. It's, it's perfect place for at the moment and it's not that cold you know so i love that and so i started looking up because i always wanted an x5 series and the bmw's nice. and more of a four-wheel drive etc so i started looking at that and like build your own and that's when i pinged david kubis who's our international lawyer based in austria and he gave me the different places that i could buy it and what that could look like and then how i could keep it at the castle but it's funny i didn't even question renting or leasing i was like let's just buy a car So the one thing I would like to say is, and some people may hate the fact that I can just choose that, but oh, well, you know what? I can choose that. And that's what it becomes. It becomes a choice. And also, but it becomes a choice to create something greater. Like the amount of money that I would spend on leasing a car, renting a car, et cetera, versus let's buy it. I mean, I'm part owner of a castle in Italy. I plan to spend a lot more time there. Why wouldn't I buy a car and have it, you know, there? No, but it does give you, having more money gives you more choice. And most people don't get that. They think 
that more money is greed, that more money is, you know, I don't know, whatever definition they've come up with. But what if more money was simply about having more choice? Yes, I love that. And do you have any clearings or tools that you use to help inspire yourself to have more choices with money? Yeah, I've got to say, I mean, you can pock and pod, you can run processes, you can do all of that. And what it basically comes down to is choice. And I think that's what I would really like to invite people to do is have a look at what they're choosing and what they're not choosing. Mm. Anywhere that they're going into resistance of something, ask. If I wasn't resisting this, it's like, what could I create or what could I choose? Uh, I mean, there's a story I, I told, I'm not sure if I told it last week, so if it is, I'm doubling up, <laughs> is... Uh, I start to notice these places where I'm not asking for more. For example, I was on a plane going from Australia to New Zealand and it was an Emirates A380, which is a beautiful plane. And David Kubis has definitely taught me to, to appreciate beautiful planes. <laughs> and uh, Gary Douglas and Dane here were traveling in first class. I was in business class with a bunch of other people and I went up to first class to say hello to them and, you know, looked at the first class. It's a cubicle. It has a door, it shuts. It's like, you know, you get this bag with all your pajamas and your slippers and your toiletries and everything. It's, it's, you get treated like a princess. Like every single person deserves to be treated like a princess. And, and I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I was so grateful that my friends were there. And I found myself as I was walking back to business class and business class Emirates is fabulous as well. I found myself not even saying out loud and not saying to anybody else. And this is the place where I think you really need to catch yourself up on because it's not just the words you speak to, you know, to others. It's what goes on in your head. I found myself in my head going, Oh, I don't need first class. Business class is good enough for me. And it took me like at least about 20 minutes because I was sort of going around in my head as I'm getting a glass of champagne and watching a movie. And I went, hang on a second, I just limited what could show up. Because even if I think it and have it as a, as a thought in my head, business class is good enough for me, then you'll never get the upgrade. You'll never be able to afford to pay for it. So you've got to start to have a look at where it is that you are not choosing something. And if you started to change your choice, what else could show up? I love that. And you personally actually have inspired me to that. I remember we were on a flight back from Paris. I was going to New Zealand. You were going to Australia. And for some reason, uh, we ended up getting delayed in Dubai. And we ended up making a great day out of it, spending time at the pool, getting spa treatments, relaxing, receiving. Then you are in our program. We're definitely on the forefront of that. But <laughs> you and I were both going for an upgrade. We were both in business class and it was the first time that I, like I really, I had received my upgrade for this light that I had before we got delayed, but I kept it very quiet and I didn't really want to talk about it or say anything like almost in case I jinxed it. And I remember you with, with your Qantas membership and, you know, that's a completely other conversation. The perfect one for David Cubas to come on and talk all about the different airline programs and upgrades and using that to your advantage. But you were also going for your upgrade and it made me go, oh, it's okay to want this. Yes. It's really okay to want this. And you don't have to hide it. You no. don't have to hide that you're asking for it. Yeah, and that was the first time that I truly had relaxed into going, it's okay to want more. And so yeah. I would love everyone to be invited like I was from Simone to, it's okay to want more. It's okay to want to be in the top 1%. It's okay to want more money, to want more success for your business. All and of the these one thing things. I would change there though is the want. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because one of the things that we talk about in access consciousness is the word want, like I think it's like before 1937 actually has the definition to lack. So like Rebecca is, is saying here, you know, it's okay to want more. It's okay to want more money. It's okay for this. What you're actually saying is it's okay to lack of money. It's okay to, you know, lack of, you know, desiring more. So what if instead you start, and that's the whole thing. If you change your verbology with how you speak yeah. and how you think and go, okay, so what would it take for me to, you know, have an upgrade? What would it take for this to show up? And it's okay for you to desire something more. It's okay for you to ask for more. Absolutely. 
I mean, I've, I've got some Europe trips coming up and I was like, God, it would make sense if we actually got a private jet from London to the castle. There's four of us. And the only thing that I come up with too is like, how are we going to get our luggage there? Because we tend to travel. <laughs> <laughs> and private jets don't take on that much, you know, luggage. So, but start to go into question and start to go into that constant state of creation. And yes, absolutely. And most people will project at you that you've got too much. Haven't you got enough? I'm sorry, what's enough? And I mean, for me, it's, it's so not about the money. It's about what I'm creating in the world. And I know that sounds sort of cheesy, but it's about what I'm creating in the world. And what I always find is the money shows up. Like if I look at Joy of Business as an example, uh, Joy of Business, you know, wrote the book, translated into, you know, I think 15 languages at the moment. It was costing me thousands of dollars a month to keep Joy of Business running for a long time. But Joy Business, it matched the energy of what I knew should be available on the planet. Gary Douglas, it's like he came out to Australia when, uh, not that far off what it is now actually, Gary Douglas, the founder of Access, used to come out to Australia and do all these classes when it was 65 cents in the dollar. He'd travel economy, stay at these, you know, very three-star, you know, dodgy rated hotels and have like... 30 people in a class he wasn't making money but what he was doing was creating and generating consciousness so what i invite you to do too is have a look at what is it that you would like to create and generate in the world there's yeah. definitely been things that i have done uh, like i just went to um this year i went to colombia bogota colombia and did a choice of possibilities class now when we looked at the figures because i always look at the figures always I'm always aware of the figures, but I don't create based on the figures. And when we looked at the figures, you know, we have a formula that we work out and I think I was down like 1,400 US dollars and access made like, you know, about 5,000 US dollars. Okay. So not a big money spinner. Okay. And I quote unquote lost money. And I look at the energy of that. There was like eight different countries and cultures uh, in that class, it was like someone called it like the United Nations of Latin America. That's and so I didn't cool. realize how much, of a, how much of a conflict they had with each other. And by the end of it, you know, the Chileans are standing up going, I'd like to thank the Venezuelans. And it was just <laughs> awesome energy. You could not put a price tag on that. And you so can never me, predict that. Yes. No, it's a success. So it's like yeah. if you make it about the money, it will always be about the money. So like I said, I know it sounds a little cheesy. And what I'm suggesting is if you didn't make it about the money and you made it about what you wanted to create, and generate, a different possibility can show up. Now, it doesn't mean excluding money. I'm always asking for more to show up and looking at more possibilities. Like at the moment, I'm starting to look at the stock exchange because it's quite volatile at the moment with different things that is going on with the US and China. So, mm -hmm. okay, so is there a place and what do I know? Could I make money from the stock exchange right now? So it's a question, always a question of what is going to create something greater. So what kind of questions are you asking? With that, um, mm. who can I talk to? And I have a couple of people that I actually have reached out to and would like to have a chat to them to see what they know. Cause I don't know. I don't cognitively know. Like I'm not like, Oh, okay. So this is happening. I mean, at the moment, China is, uh, is threatening basically to pull out all of their trades, which Australia is one of the, um, China is one of the biggest places that we export iron ore to. So if that goes away, how does that affect everything else? And I don't specifically know the companies that are involved in that and what that could look like, but I do have a couple of friends who would have more information. So to me, instead of me going, I need to study this, I need to research this, what's the ease, joy, and glory way? Oh, yeah, why don't I call a couple of friends and see what they know, if they know anything. And also not being vested in the outcome. Like, I may or may not invest in something new. But what if you just asked? What if you played with the energy? Tapped into a different energy that you have not yet tapped into and see if something different can show up. I love that. And so this kind of way of functioning is where you are now. So for someone that is just starting to realize that there's a different way of functioning with money, of creating wealth, of having a business, where was your starting point and what advice do you have for someone that is in that position? 
Uh, I'm going to say my starting point, well, it was definitely using the access consciousness tools, but the one thing that I realized that changed everything was nobody else was going to come along and change this for me. Mm. And I, I've, and the amount of people I've spoken to and the way, I don't know what I thought was going to come through my door and go, don't worry, I've got this. I'm going to change all of your financial reality. You will no longer be in debt and you'll have a constant flow of money. I mean, some people look at that for in a husband or a wife or, you know, a parent or something like that. And it's like, that's great. If you, and, and the funny thing is the amount of people I know that actually create that don't receive it. Like I spoke to a woman recently and she had all her money from inheritance and felt so guilty about it. Sort of like your energy of hiding when you were going for an upgrade. And then, and I said, are you due to get more inheritance? And she said, yeah, and looked at me and she said, a lot more. And I was like, great, what if you enjoyed it? You created that. And the second thing was she had a boyfriend who had a whole lot of money and paid for everything. And she felt really bad about that too. And I was like, why would you waste the energy on quote unquote feeling bad about that? What if you actually embraced it, engaged it and went, God, I'm a great creator. What else is possible? And what would I like to create with this money that is showing up so easily? But what I see is people aren't willing to have that ease of money. And they're also not willing to be brutally honest with what is occurring with their finances. So to answer your question, the one thing that I got to was I have to do something different. I've got to do something different here because everything that I was choosing was the same as what I had chosen before and it wasn't changing anything. So I literally, and, I, and if you've listened to any of my stuff, you've probably heard this before, but I literally sat, I mean, I had everything really neat and tidy and I literally got all of my bills out and I wrote everything down and looked at how much money do I owe. I went into all of my accounts. I counted all my money. And then that's when I realized, oh, I'm $187,000 in debt. It was from all the loans I had. It was from everything. So once I got clear on it, then I could change it. And that's the thing I see so many people avoid. So the two steps, get clear on your finances and make the choice to choose to change it yourself, whatever that may look like. And so then from there, I know you use some of the access consciousness tools in, in a book that you read to change it. And you talk a lot about this, a lot of these in your different programs and, and classes. So would you say that you have a few favorite tools once you're aware of everything to start changing the energy behind everything as well? I would. And uh, my, my, my favorite tools, and they're probably the ones that, uh, you know, I resisted the most. And most of the time, if you resist something, you'll find that that's usually what's going to change something for you. Because how many of you are trying to maintain the sameness of you, maintain the average, maintain, you know, your life so that it matches the reality of what everybody is projecting at you that it should be. So everything at that is times a godzillion, we destroy and uncreate it, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot on and shorts, boys and beyonds. I mean, Rebecca, if you chose to move to New York, New York um, even just for six months, it's like that doesn't match the reality of being, you know, a good New Zealand girl growing up in the yes. family home. Yes, so, a long way from like, New Zealand. Wow, time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what if you could choose anything and everything? So that's, you know, that's definitely one of the things you have to look at. And then one of my favorite tools that I resisted was the 10% account. And the 10% account is, and you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to tell you again, cause it's just, it's, you know, you choose it. Like if I say anything that doesn't make you feel lighter, don't choose it. This is your life. You have to be the one that chooses how it shows up and what shows up. But what I would ask is, is it working for you as it is? Like at what age have you decided you're going to change something? What if you changed it now? Like no matter what situation you're in, you started asking, what is it that you truly desire to create with your life, living, business, money, relationships, sex, body? What would you choose today and what action would you take today? And everything at that is times a godzillion, we destroy and uncreate it. Right, yes. wrong, good, bad, pock and pot on, ain't shorts, boys and beyonds. So the 10% account is literally you put 10% away for everything that you earn, that's for you. So for me, you know, I have an Excel spreadsheet and I write everything out. And so every $100, I put $10 away. That is just for me. Okay. 
Now, I, this made no sense to me whatsoever. No sense. So I was like, why am I putting 10% away that's just for me instead of paying the bills? I owe all these people money. And it, it does bring up a lot of different things and, and it's not going to be the same for every person. And this is where it becomes so imperative that you choose and you be very honest with yourself of what is going on. Because as I looked at this, I kept asking questions. So questions are imperative. Like I would ask a question and go, okay, so I quote unquote feel like crap because I'm going skiing this weekend and I owe all these people money and I'm putting 10% of my account. And I remember having a conversation with Gary Douglas and he said, you still have to live. You still have to create your life. And I was like, oh no, what if people see photos of me skiing? And they're like, you owe me money. You know, nobody did. Nobody abused me. Nobody rang me up and said, you owe me money. You're out skiing. And can I tell you the joy of me choosing to go skiing was so creative and generative that it contributed to my money flows. It contributed to my life being greater. So you still have to create your life. Okay. You cannot make the debt that you owe or the money that you owe the only thing, like the significant thing in your life. Start some payment plans, start to see what that looks like. And then starting the 10% account is the beginning of you honoring you. So what I did, because it was the tool that I resisted so much, I made the demand that for three months I would use this tool. And at the end of three months, I literally had like a, you know, a note in my calendar. Okay, you know, end of three months, let's see what's going on. And I looked at my accounts, I looked at everything. And it wasn't like I had this huge amount of money sitting there. It was some money. But I, then I asked myself questions. Okay, so you've got some money here, not huge amounts of money. You still owe all this debt. You've paid some of that off but what's actually going on. And what I noticed was I had more of a sense of peace with money because I actually had some money in the bank account. And I realized if I didn't work for the next month, I actually had money. Like if I had to, I had money to live off. So it wasn't this desperate need. I see so many people that are like, you know, they're waiting paycheck to paycheck rather than the 10% creates this energy for me. And it's probably going to create something entirely different to you. And it can also create the same. For me, it created this energy of, I actually had money and I hadn't allowed myself to have money. Like how many of you allow yourself to, uh, to make money, receive money, and then spend it as fast as you can? Oh yeah, everything at that is times a godzillion where you destroy and uncreate it. Yes. Right, wrong, bad, pock and pot all night, shorts, boys, meons. And that's the thing too. I noticed as soon as money came in, I would literally go, oh, money's come in. Where has it got to go? So if that sounds like you, even right now, instead of, even if you've got bills to pay, receive the money, leave it in your bank account for three days or a week and keep looking at it and keep going, oh, I have money. What does this bring up for me having money? And then pock and pot everything that that is and then go, okay, what do I have to pay? You know, is there something I have to do? You have to pay the rent, the kids' school fees or, you know, whatever that is. And it's like then start to look at it. But it's not a hot potato. Money is not something that you have to like quickly get rid of as soon as you get it. So everywhere that you've been trying to get money, get rid of money as quickly as you make it, where you destroy and uncreate it. God, yes. that's way too many people. Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot all nine, shorts, boys and beyonds. Even if it's like, oh, those new shoes. Now I can get those new shoes. Practice having money. And what does that feel like to you? What is the sense? And it's like, is it too uncomfortable for you? Cause that's one of the things I realized as well. I was more comfortable in debt than actually having money. So again, I realized that and went, wow, Simone, that's insane. It's a good thing you're cute because sometimes you're not very bright. What if you actually were comfortable having money? And what if you didn't always have to slip into the no money and use that as a source of creation, which so many people do too, including myself used to do it, is using no money as a source of creation. So the 10% account, you put 10% away for you. Now you get an amount of money that is going to work for you. Like for me, it was about $30,000. And then when I had $30,000 just sitting in a bank account, there was a different energy that showed up. And then I went, oh, I'm going to start buying things with this that have intrinsic value. So I would buy, you know, 
diamonds, pearls, gold, like, um, like bullions, uh, silver, like things that you could sell today or tomorrow that would be worth more than what you paid for them. So, and ask, is gold going to go up? You can ask the question, gold will talk to you. What if you use gold as your minion? <laughs> so, so that's what I started to do. And then like, as it increased now, it's like, you know, I have at least a hundred thousand dollars sitting in my 10% account at the moment. It's, um, and then after that, like I would, you know, purchase things, like I said, like gold or, you know, I've bought this beautiful diamond ring that I've made like, Oh God, I think it's at least, um, just under a hundred thousand dollars on it already for what it's worth and what I paid for it. So I'm making money with my 10% account and that's the joy of money. You've got to have the joy of money, not the necessity of money. Big difference. Okay. So everywhere that you're making money a necessity rather than a choice, we destroy and uncreate it. Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot all nine, shorts, boys, millions. Now I can hear you say, but I've got to pay the rent. I've got to put food on the table. I've got to do this, etc. I've got to put petrol in my car. No, you don't. That's a choice. You could choose to be homeless. You could choose to, you know, take food out of rubbish bins. You could choose to visit your friends for every meal and get them to cook for you. It's like you could choose to walk instead of drive. It should be a choice, not a necessity. Even if you just play with that energy, everywhere that you've decided money is a necessity rather than a choice, destroy and uncreate it, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And wherever that is, like you'll come up against something and you go, ah, oh, you get this like, whatever it is for you, you might get this like, you know, sense in your throat or in your chest or this like, you know, less than or this wrongness of you, um, you know, feeling quote unquote, which is not a feeling and have a look at that and go, oh, okay. So am I resisting something here or what am I creating as a necessity rather than a choice and rather than the joy of me choosing something greater? Everything at that is times a godzillion, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot on and shorts, boys and beyonds. This conversation has gone in so many different places and I've had questions and lost them and had them and lost them um, because the conversation keeps facilitating the energy of the questions I'm asking. But I would, I would love you to go more into the whole concept and, and tools behind that money is not the source. You are the source of what creates your life and living. And so many people look at money as the source of creation, which is not true. You are the source of creation. You know, money doesn't wake up in the morning and go, Hey, what am I going to choose today? I'm going to start with a coffee. You know, money literally just sits there and goes, eh, you know, I'm some coins, I'm some paper money or whatever it is. You know, it's like you are the source of creation. Each choice you take, each choice you make, sorry, I should say each choice you make and each action you take, creates something different showing up. So by you choosing, you taking action, you perceiving the possibilities that are available and receiving the contribution that is available, you become the source of creation. I mean, if you look at, you have a party, it's like, how do you put the party together? it's like money doesn't put the party together. Money might pay for the flowers, might pay for the drink, might pay for the band, might pay for something, but money doesn't put it together. You are the one that chooses and takes action to create the party that you would like to show up. So what party of possibilities or what party of limitations are you currently choosing that if you didn't choose it and chose something entirely different, would allow you to exponentialize your wealth. And everything at that is times a godzillion, we destroy and uncreate it. Yes. Because what possibilities are available that you are not yet choosing so that you can justify the limited life you are choosing? And everything at that is times a godzillion, we destroy and uncreate it. Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot on and shorts, boys, meons. I mean, let's use you as an example, Rebecca. It's like you're in New York. You've just done a class there. You're loving it. I've been to New York and I know the energy of New York and I know you. <laughs> um, it's sort of like a bit of a match made in heaven. It's like, you know, the Paris For girl. Sure. Goes York, you know, <laughs> Rebecca also loves Paris. And it's like that's you, you at, at this stage in your life, like that energy is a contribution to you. 
So you could either, and you don't have to move to New York either, but having it as a choice creates a different reality. So if you look at the energy and anyone listening to this, it's like, have a look at something that you're asking for to show up in your life and then go, okay. So Rebecca goes, Oh no, I can't possibly move to New York. I must go home to New Zealand. Okay. That becomes a necessity or I must move to New York because this matches the energy where I'm at now. And that becomes a necessity rather than the ability to have the choice to choose anything at any time. Then you can receive the gratitude you have for New York and the gratitude you have for New Zealand, the gratitude you have for traveling around the world. It's like, and then you begin to receive the energy of all the molecules in the entirety of their planet that are actually desiring to contribute to you. And everything at that is times a gazillion, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Because any time you make something an answer, you will not perceive what else is going on. So if you went, oh, New York's the answer, New York's the place, New York is where X, Y, Z is going to show up. This is it. Then you will not see when something in New York is going to occur that is not a greater possibility for you. But if you're willing to receive New York as is, and you can put these into people, you can put these into whatever. It doesn't have to be cities. But then if you, you know, allow yourself to relax and receive and let down the barriers and go, hey, what can New York offer me and what can I offer New York? And then you can also, can you, when I say this, can you also perceive the energy of New Zealand at the same time? And the energy kinda, of, it doesn't have to be as far away as everyone's been projecting that it is. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you happen to own some, you know, a beautiful, you know, piece of land in New Zealand. And it's like, you can still allow that energy to nurture you and your body and your creations as you're in New York. But so many people make it about a separation. They make it about a decision. They make it about, you know, an either or world. It's not an either or world. We don't live in a, in a binary world. We have infinite possibilities and infinite choices. So for now, it's like, you know, I mean, you're leaving New York tomorrow to go home and it's like, you, you may never go back. You may go back. You may move there. Anything is possible. But if you make it about a necessity, then you eliminate possibilities. Yes. I love that we've gone on to this now, like poking the bear private session with Rebecca. Everything I know. Thank you so much. All <laughs> 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 right. No, I'm good and bad. Pock and pot on in shorts, boys and beyonds. But it's interesting too. Have a look at the energy. Like for me, I've been talking about a few different things with, like I said, where I'm going to live and blah, blah, blah. And I, I knew that it wasn't about like rushing into something and I also knew I wasn't avoiding anything. And I keep getting this energy for me at the end of the year. I, I get the sense I'm going to have some more clarity about something, like something showing up. And this year has definitely been, I mean, I thought last year was a year of chaos. And this year has been the year of up the chaos, you know, with Gary Douglas, you know, not being so well. And then since March, it's like, you know, me being thrown on stage at all these different places and extending my schedule. It's like, okay, you know. And what one thing I'm realizing is it's not necessarily about where my quote unquote home is. It's the energy that I create with it. Like, you know, I'm home for two weeks now, which is the longest, you know, I've been home since December last year. So what I'm realizing is I like being surrounded by beautiful, elegant things. I like having a sense of peace. I like the quiet. Like we do travel to so many big cities and I love going to the big cities, but at this stage in my life, it's like living in a big city is not truly what I'm choosing as my quote unquote home base. And I would also like to have somewhere in Europe and I would like to have somewhere in, in um, the Americas as well. So, so what does that look like? And just playing with the energy, but not looking for a result and not looking for a conclusion, asking questions and be willing to receive the information and not resist the information that is showing up so that you have all possibilities available. I love this. And I, if you don't mind, would love to share a little story of how you first started um, introducing me to the tool of what, it, what possibilities are available that have not yet instituted. Because for me, I was very new when you started asking me that question. Like I truly hadn't heard it before. I'd never really worked with access consciousness before. And I remember sitting at this meeting going, I don't know. 
I haven't come up with any possibilities before. I don't know what possibilities you, you guys have already come up with. How am I supposed to know what we haven't yet instituted and created before? <laughs> and so you're going to the how of my questions. I totally was. <laughs> I was like, well, it wasn't even judging you. It was judging me going, how am I supposed to know what we haven't, haven't done before? I'm totally new to all of this. And so I remember sitting in this meeting going, okay, I don't really have anything to offer. I'm just going to go check my email. And so I ended up checking my email and I'm, and as I going through my emails, I'm going, oh, that's a good opportunity for trade business. That could be good for trade business. That could be good for Drape Business, which is the business that I had been hired at at the time. Didn't think anything of it. And I remember you sat me down later saying like, hey, how was that meeting for you? And I'm pretty sure the words out of my mouth was, oh, I didn't really know of any possibilities available that we've not yet instituted, but I but checked my email and I found this and this and this and this and this. And I remember you saying to me, uh, isn't that some possibilities that we've not yet instituted? Isn't that exactly matching the energy of what we've been asking for? And so I just wanted to share with everyone that just because you ask a question doesn't mean that it's going to feel like you've come up with an answer. Doesn't mean it's going to feel like you've come up with the, the possibility or that the question has created something huge in your life. It may be that you just go and do something else and then that matches the energy of what shows up. Well, it's the lightness of your awareness as well. Yes, is what you're referring to. It's like those whispers because mm. it doesn't come knocking loudly on the door. Sometimes no. it might, but it's like, it's, it's a whisper. It's a, like you said, it's a, you know, checking of your email and seeing something. It's a flicking through a magazine. It's turning on the TV. It's overhearing a conversation. It's, you know, as we laugh about, cause when I apparently shower, I have lots of ideas. It's like being in the shower and just going, Ooh, and something pinging you. It's going for a hike. It's going to the beach. It's, you know, it's going for a run. It's doing anything. It's like that you, you know, making a coffee and you go, oh, boom, you go, oh, what about that? And it's like, and how many, how many times do you, you know, misidentify the awareness that you have as, you know, something that's just a throwaway rather than, oh, what is this? What generative capacities do I have that I have not yet been willing to acknowledge? And everything at that is times a godzillion, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. So we've talked about, you know, where you're at now and where you are at the beginning. But there's also this whole little middle section that I would also love us to go into a bit. And I'm not sure if there's anything that's popping for you, but for me, I remember a story that you've told me where you went through some different stages of what you chose to do with your money. Oh, I think I know what you're referring to. <laughs> so for many years, I would travel around the world. I had this business called Good Vibes for You, and I was importing and exporting from India and Thailand and Nepal and Tibet. And, you know, and I would definitely make it about, I wanted to change the way people looked at themselves and I wanted to change they were, the way they were with the world and with the planet and with nature and how they engaged. I was like, this is crazy. This is amazing, beautiful planet. And people are walking around choosing trauma and drama. It's like, you know, basically what the fuck? So I was, I had this business and I didn't, I wasn't asking for money to show up because I, I definitely had the point of view that, you know, if you had money show up, it was like, that was greedy and that was doing it just for you. And it wasn't, you know, really tapping into the energy that I would like to create in the world and invite people to. So I was literally refusing money and that's what was occurring. I was refusing money and I would have hardly any money. I was broke as creating this business. And then I went, you know what, Simone, maybe you should start asking for money to show up, you know? So then I started with this energy of asking for money to show up, but I started asking for like just enough so that I could get by just enough to pay the bills, just enough so that I could justify that I was, you know, I was doing good things. And then, you know, I justified it that if I had money show up, I wasn't going to be one of these rich assholes, these rich wankers. I was actually going to do good stuff with it. Okay. Which if you look at the energy, that means I never actually uh, practiced the energy of having money. I practiced the energy of creating money. And as soon as I could getting rid of it. 
to whoever I had judged would be a good source for receiving it. So how many times have you guys done that out there and everything that that is and everywhere that you're going into a reason and justification for creating money where you destroy and uncreate it, right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all night, shorts, boys, meons. So that was probably, I can say that's the longest, toughest step because actually having money, but feeling so guilty, like for having money, for creating money that I must get rid of it as soon as possible. Like I remember taking a couple of friends on a skiing trip. I bought a friend a car because they needed a new car. Cause I was like, well, as soon as I get this money, then I should spend it on people who need it, you know? And then I would do that. I mean, there was some stuff I was doing, like working with the Tibetan refugee women in Nepal. And, you know, I helped a couple of kids get to school there, et cetera, get educated. So they weren't cleaning shoes on the streets in Kathmandu, um, which is a choice too. And I worked with the Nepalese farming women there. Like I did a lot of things like that, which to me was more of this engagement of the gratitude I had for the gifts and the capacities that they had, that they were contributing to my business and what I could contribute to them. To me, that was a different energy. And I want to say too, which may, you know, not make some people happy. Charity is a really interesting energy. I would prefer to look at things as a generosity of spirit and what it is that you would like to gift and what you can gift and what you choose to gift. Charity to me always has this energy of someone is less than and someone is greater than. What if, and I know some people don't like this, but what if everything that you've chosen in your life, oh yeah, you chose it in your life, no matter what that is, where you, would chose, where you chose to be born, whether it was, you know, rich, famous, poor, poverty, um, you know, abuse, whatever that is. What if you started to look at the energy of, if you chose that, you know, what was the value of choosing it and what's right about it you're not getting? So to me, you know, these women who, God, they were so cool, these um, Tibetan women that I worked with. And I, I don't know if I've told this story. It was, I remember walking into their houses because they would do all my knitted stuff that I imported. And Tibetans on a whole are not the tallest people in the world. And I'm five, nine. <laughs> so I would walk into their house and I literally have to like duck down all the hallways. And even in like their living room, I had to duck a little bit, like had to, you know, round my shoulders. So they would always giggle and give me a seat to sit on as soon as they could. Cause I couldn't stand up in their places. I remember going into their bathroom once and I had to like back in because it was so little, their toilet. So I had to like back into the toilet but these women were so amazing. And what occurred in, in uh, Nepal was Tibetan refugee women. So quite often when they had children, if it was a female, the man, the husband would just leave because having a female was definitely not profitable. It's like you were left with something that was going to be a hindrance on you and not something that can contribute. That was their point of view. So a lot of the times the Tibetan refugee women had no help from the Tibetan government, no help, obviously, because they, um, you know, walked into Nepal, they had no help from the um, Nepalese government. So the women were left there with their female children. So what I started to do was I worked with these Tibetan refugee women and their daughters, which I find it very interesting. There's a lot of people who go on, you know, will say something about child labor and with things like that, you need to look at the energy of what's occurring in the world. Like there's child labor that is, you know, not treating people well and it's abusing it, etc. And then there's, I have no judgment or no regret of what I created. I created with these women and the children, like I would have, you know, a 12 year old knitting me a hat and she was so thrilled to be learning, you know, something that she could be doing and she would make money and I paid them for what they made. So if this 12 year old girl wanted to make 10 hats a day, then I paid her for 10 hats. If she just wanted to make one and go outside and play, she just made one and she learned how to make money. So, but I worked with these women, they made scarves, they made hats and they made sweaters for me. And I would take them back home to Australia and I would sell them. To me, there was nothing charitable about that in any way. To me, that was such a level of contribution that we had with each other. They used to call me the, um, the white woman and not from color of my skin. <laughs> it was from doing white work is what they called it. So it wasn't black work, which is like, you know, work on the black market. They would call it that I would, um, the woman who did white work. 
because I would come there, you know, at least two times a year, maybe three times a year and engage with them and see what we could, we could create. I would allow them to come up with new designs. I would come up with new designs and we would have a look at what it is. So to me, that was such a level of contribution that you can be with each other, people, businesses, you know, what can you create with that energy? I know we went a little bit off topic, but you know what? There, well, that's, there so, that's so cool. I mean, that brings, that actually brings tears to my eyes. Like I've, you know, that I've recently been studying um, Genghis Khan and how all of his era infiltrated that whole area actually. Yeah. And that the whole white work and black work thing comes from beyond that time. Like that's, yeah. that's a really ancient concept. It's, that's very cool. Yeah. How does well, it they, they believe that, yeah, if you're doing white work, then obviously good things will come to you. So, yeah. and, and actually, I got to tell you, that was one of the hardest things, uh, not continuing to do the business that I did in Nepal was from the people that I worked with. I mean, even two of the Nepalese guys that I worked with were these, you know, brilliant Hindi men that were just different, you know, and that's what I managed to create traveling around the world. Like I used to call it the vibe. <laughs> I would like, I'd walk the streets and I would meet so many different people and I would just start chatting to them. And what I was asking for, not outright, but I would ask the questions to see what energy would show up is, are they willing to create a future with me? Cause I didn't have that much money when I first started the business. So, you know, I might come along and say, okay, I want to buy 20 hats. 20 hats is not that much money. You know, it's not that, it's not that big a deal, but I would look at it and go, I'd like to take these home and see if I can sell them, you know, get some feedback, um, maybe wholesale them, etc. So I was looking to create a future and there were so many people who, especially in India, I've got to say, who did not desire to create a future. It was more, the mentality was how much money can you give me today? And they would dismiss me and, you know, be like, nope, don't want to do this. Can't give you a good price, you know, and cause I would say, I need a better price. If I'm going to wholesale these, I need a better price. What can we work with here? And I get it. You can't give me the best, best price today, but can you give me something I can work with so I can take home that I can create a different relationship with the people at home, etc. And there was like the 5% who got it, got it. And we ended up creating these amazing you know, relationships with each other um, for quite a few years that I, you know, imported from India and Nepal, Tibet, Thailand, etc. And I learned, you know, the different energies that you can be with different people. And the ones who really desired to create a future ended up creating a future. And it never looked like that we thought it was going to look like, and yet it always showed up greater. So that's one of the energies that I would say is if you can be that and, and don't settle for this reality, because the people I chose to do business with in those countries, you know, they may not have cognitively known how different they were, that they were different and they were willing to receive and they were willing to contribute and they were willing to, you know, follow an energy that was going to create something greater. So if you start to, you know, look for that as well. This is so cool. Uh, we've gone so many different places and I just want to round off the beginning money story we have of, so you started to create businesses and things so that you could help other people and contribute to others having money. And I believe you've also gotten further than that too. Yes, that's right. That was my, that was my different phases of, of going through money. Basically short story, no money. Second, second phase, you know, okay, I'll have money so that I can do good things for other people. And the third one, and I actually remember I was in Amsterdam, um, Dr. Dane here was doing a being you with bodies class. And I had this wad of money in my hands and he looked at me and he said, when are you going to start receiving the money that you create and have it as yours? And I was like, holy shit. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't receiving it. And he said, when are you just going to start having money? And that changed so much for me. And from that day onwards, I, I, and it's not, you don't just go, oh, that changed. And it's like, no, I'm willing to have money. No, it's quite confronting. Like these things that you resist are really confronting. So, but I would look at it every day. Oh, what if I just received money? What if I just had money? What if I was willing to know that every single thing that I create, it's like the money I receive is not even, not even close to the worth that I am. It's like the gratuity that I get, you know, like the tip. It's like, what if you were way more than that? So then I started the, 
the next phase was actually just receiving money and having money and having a joy with money. And can I tell you, more money shows up when you're willing to have a joy with money, <laughs> not when you're willing to like throw it away, give it away quickly, hot potato, or not when you're refusing it. I mean, I even remember going through this stage of going, people in India who don't have money, they don't have shoes and blah, blah, blah. So I came home and was like, I'm not wearing shoes anymore you know, and had a bindi on my head and wore long flowing skirt and did all of that. And was like, well, hang on a second. I'm living in the central coast in Australia. It's not exactly the climate or the culture to be walking around looking like an, you know, an Indian hippie was basically what I was creating. And it was more of an energy of resistance than an energy of receiving. So I started putting shoes back on <laughs> and, and choosing something different. But you know what? Don't judge whatever it is that you've been creating. Know that there is, there is something different that can show up and be grateful for everything that you've chosen. And then today, now, what would you like to choose? If this was the first day of you changing your entire reality and creating something so different, what would you choose? What action would you take? And everything it doesn't allow you to perceive, know, be, and receive that where you destroy and uncreate it. Right and wrong, good and bad, pock and pot, all nine shorts, boys and meons. So Halsey, as her nickname is, Rebecca, I think we might have to call the podcast over. We keep trying to make this more parts and it means, I know there's so much information here. So, you know, there is so much more parts than we think. And so many tools. <laughs> So I want to thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on from New York with your beautiful, beautiful hat. Hopefully we get some photos of that on Instagram or something. And I have way too much fun and have a good trip home. And I am so incredibly grateful for everything that you continuously contribute in my life, access, consciousness, joy, business, all of it. Like, thank you. And you. me for you, truly. I would not be here in New York today without the tools that you have contributed to me. Truly, That's actually truly, literally truly. because you're there for a class. <laughs> literally, literally. I would not be a joy business facilitator yeah. without you. <laughs> exactly. So, thank you, everyone. And I hope you guys got some really cool tools from this. I know that I definitely did. And thank you, you so much. If you want to find a joy business facilitator near you, go to yes. accessjoybusiness.com. They're called JCS for short. And yeah. there's people all over the world facilitating classes. And if there's not a class near you, just ping them, like ping the contact yeah. thing and say, hey, I'd like a class. Who can come here? Because we will find someone who we will. might fly to, to fly where you are. Okay? Exactly. Thank you cool. so much for joining us, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.